0: Following is a sermon preached at Grace Church of Orange, California. Join us now as we go verse by verse through God's inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. Well, it seems like nothing shocks us anymore. It really does. Uh, Another murder, another rape, another kidnapping, another earthquake, another tragedy. And we are desensitized to pain because of it. Our empathy short-lived, and I think we've seen too much, heard too much, experienced too much, and so we get these self-protective calluses, calluses that get built, and it's even true when we approach the Bible. Many Christians act like they know it all, like, I know what this verse means and says and how it applies, what's next, but have we lived it? We're looking today at Romans 12.1, and it's really easy for people to say, oh, I know what that's all about. I think that Romans 12.1 should shock us more than it does. I think it should shake us to the core. So please stand with me. I'm going to read this verse from God's Word, Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And Lord, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts today. That there would not be any ounce of us that is left unyielded. That we, as we trust in Christ, that we would give ourselves fully to Him. And we pray in His name. Amen. Romans twelve one, a living sacrifice. How many times have you heard that? If you've been around the church any length of time, if you've opened up your Bible for any length of time, you probably have heard how Romans twelve one says that we are to be a living sacrifice to God. But it should shock and startle us much more than it does. Here's the main point of this verse. Those who trust Christ's sacrifice give themselves fully to Christ. Those who trust Christ's sacrifice for sin give themselves fully to him. That's the point. That they who trust in Christ and his sacrifice yield fully to Christ devote themselves fully to Christ and it is done in a sacrificial way it is done in a sanctified way it is done in a in a serving way Romans 12:1 should startle us more than it does it should be seismic now we are thinking seismic in California but what happens with a verse like this is that we get so familiar with it that we miss the details. You miss the details of Romans 12 1 and 2, you misread the rest of Romans. Romans 12, 1, along with verse 2, which we'll look at next week, sets the stage for everything that follows. Just like chapters 1 through 11 sets the stage for chapters 12 through 16, these two verses sets the stage for everything that follows. You can't get it wrong, you can't miss it, or else you will misread the rest of the letter. We're in the final stretch of Romans. Living the gospel, chapters 12 through 16, last 25% of the letter. How do we get there? How do we get there? We have gone through every verse in Romans chapters 1 through 11. We have not skipped a verse, we have not skipped a word, we have looked at everything. We have focused on believing the gospel, chapters 1 through 4. The depravity of man. The sovereignty of God in saving. We've we've focused on resting in the gospel, chapters five through eight, and rejoicing in God's amazing gospel glory in chapters nine through 11. You get to chapter 12, verse one, the focus shifts to life-transforming truth and the practical living of it. From here on out, it's all about living the the practical, life-transforming truths that were found in chapters 1 through 11. And it should stretch us. We should not be mailing it in at this point. Well, I know the meaning and the applications and the implications. In fact, you might. But have you lived it? You might, but are you living this the way that God intends? I mean, no sooner does Paul top off the first 11 chapters with this timely burst of praise that we get startling marching orders. Counterintuitive, not what we would think, against the grain. Instead of, you know, Paul saying, okay, everybody, you got this. Go for it. Go live it. We're told to do something crazy. Die to yourself. Fits very well for us Americans on the week of Independence Day. We love our independence. And so here we are at a very familiar verse of Scripture that tells you lose all your independence. Lose every ounce, every shred, every bit of your independence. And so what you do, what I do with this one verse will affect the rest of your life. I can't overstate that. Main point. Those who trust Christ's sacrifice for sin give themselves fully to him. Those who trust Christ's sacrifice for sin give themselves fully to him. And they do so in such a way that it is sacrificial and that it is sanctified and it is service. Specifically, those who trust Christ's sacrifice for sin, give themselves fully to him in sacrificial, sanctified service. And that's our outline. There you have it. We could say amen right now. (laughs) Say it again. We're gonna look at those three things. Sacrificial, sanctified, service as we go through this verse. First, sacrificial you present yourself to God, a fully devoted, total, entire, complete, no part left out. Nothing reserved for you that's on the side that's hidden. Verse 1 begins, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's speaking to believers, and he says, I appeal to you. It's the Greek word, parakaleo, it means he, I'm calling to you, I'm calling for you. Like when you call for a friend, hey, come here. Call to one of your kids. Hey, could, could everybody come here for a minute? It means to exhort, it means to encourage. But it's not a weak word. It is a very strong word. Very, very strong word. It's stronger than a simple request. Like if I said to you, could, could you please go get me a cup of cool water? You could walk away and think about it. But Paul is making an appeal on behalf of God Almighty here. 2 Corinthians 5.20, God is making his appeal through us and it emphasizes the authority of God. This is authoritative. This isn't just good advice. This isn't just Paul's picky preferences. This is the authoritative will of God given solemnly this is why it should shock us this is why it should shake us to the core this is why the proportions ought to be seismic the church was to respond to this together I think we can pick on ourselves I'm an American I'll I'll say it we are so individualistic are we not Me, me, my, my, I. It's all about what I want and what I want to do, when I want and when I want to do it. And the church here was supposed to respond together. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. The body of Christ that gathers was to respond to this together. He says he appeals by the mercies of God. This is the power behind the request that's going to come. So It's appealing, literally commanding according to the mercies of God. There's the power that undergirds it all. Uh, God's magnificent gospel promises, God's faithfulness to his covenant. He's saying in verse one, Respond to the grace that you've been hearing about for 11 chapters. Because of God's mercy, because of his compassion, his pity on us for the misery that sin brings on, he saw our Lost estate. He saw how lost we were, how depraved we are, and he sent Jesus to die for our sins. You you sum up everything in chapters 1 through 11. In view of God handing Jesus over to be the substitutionary sin sacrifice in our place, the propitiatory sacrifice, the mercy seat sacrifice... And then, based on Christ's finished work, freely pouring out on all the elect his undeserved mercy in Christ through foreknowledge and predestination and calling and justification and glorification. He is sanctifying his people. You can't say, well, I got myself that. Well, I worked myself up to that. Well, I earned that. You cannot say it. You can only credit the mercy of God. I heard a story just this week of an Arizona couple who miraculously was saved from a horrendous car accident. Their their Jeep literally flew off a dirt road down 80 feet off of a cliff, and they survived. So I guess everyone should go out and buy a Jeep right now. <laughs> and here was the response. Here was their response. Something was watching over us. What, a UFO? <laughs> I mean, obviously unaware of God's mercies. Your best motive for devotion to God is the mercy of God in Christ, in the gospel. There is no other Appropriate motive to devote yourself to God. His compassion and pity for those in need. His mercy that alleviates the misery that sin brings into our life. I mean, if you're a believer, you see how bad your sin is. You stop pointing fingers at other people and you're like, my sin is wretched. I am depraved. I would be lost without Christ. You see how bad your sin is and how beautiful the gospel is. That's what real Christians do. They see how bad their sin is and they don't forget about it. But They see how beautiful Jesus is and they never forget about him. You've been delivered by Jesus. So you're delighting in Jesus. As the psalmist put in Psalm 116, verse 2, what shall I give to the Lord for all his benefits to me? And this is not payback. This is a thank offering. This is grateful. This is praise. A friend of mine was telling me once that when they Uh, Went to a sporting event. This was back in 2007, actually. And they went to this sporting event. They cobbled together the money to buy tickets to sit in the nosebleed section at the very, very top of the arena. It was an NBA game, and they were way at the very top, literally at the very last row. They were loving it. They just were enjoying the game. They weren't complaining about how bad their seats were. They were just glad to be in the building You know the feeling? Like, man, I'm glad that Jesus saved me. I'm glad to be in his church. I don't care what what spot I get, I'm just glad I'm there. Well anyway, they're having a good time at the game and all of a sudden this guy walks up to him and he says says to the group, now you see way down there, way, way, way down there where those ants are walking around, it looks like ants, where, where the court is, You see those seats right there on the front row? Why don't you go take those? He says, I'm the owner. And and I saw you guys up here having a great time. I want you to come on down and go sit in my seats. That's pretty sweet. You know, when you have a lively awareness of the mercy of God in your life, it sets the tone for your life. In defeat, in discouragement, in disappointment, in diagnosis, in deterioration, in death, and your answer is, God has been kind to me. He didn't just look down on me in my sinful state and say, you know, we'll put you in the nosebleed section. You've been pretty bad. I'll save you by the skin of your teeth, but you're going in the nosebleed section. You're in the last row, and you better not step out of line, or else I'll kick you out of the arena. Oh, no. Oh, no. He takes us and puts us in the front row. Blesses us with all of Christ's riches. Puts a ring and a robe on us. Treats us like... Treasured family, because that's what we are in Christ. And so, when someone asks you, How are you doing? and we like to complain, and we like to worry, and we like to, you know, whine. Here's the best answer for a gospel changed person I'm doing way better than I deserve because of the mercy of God. In Christ, I'm grateful for forgiveness. I'm grateful for freedom in Christ. I'm grateful for peace in Christ. I'm faithful. I'm thankful for joy. I'm thankful for God's faithfulness. I'm thankful for eternal life. I'm thankful for God's presence. I just want to serve Jesus. I'm chomping at the bit to serve Jesus, and so I'm going to choose to. Use my body and mind and gifts in devoted service to God. Based on the overwhelming body of evidence towards God's mercy, I'm gonna present myself as a sacrifice to God. This is what Paul is getting at in verse one so that if you miss this, you will miss the rest of Romans and you probably already missed the gospel if you miss this. He says, present yourselves as a sacrifice. Now, some people will say to you, what this means is total commitment to God is a definitive once-for-all act, never to be repeated. Like on your wedding day, like you just get married, you, uh, you give the rings, you say, I do, and let's go, 65 years. Other people will say, oh, no, this is a process, that by which at one point in time, at some point in time, you can actually attain complete sanctification. And both of those misread the verse. This is not a once-for-all action that happens either at the beginning of your Christian life or at some time in the future where you can just get it all settled and be on autopilot for the rest of the way. Present is an active verb it's like present yourself and keep on presenting yourself to God. And, and by the way, the two imperatives that we'll look at next week, be conf- uh, don't be conformed, but be transformed, they're both in the present tense. This is a summons to present yourself to God that is urgent. And it's connected to the grace of God. It's, it's grace-based, it flows from God's grace. Present yourself, literally place yourself beside or stand by, literally appear. This is your summons to appear before God. Present is a sacrificial term. It's the same word used in Romans 14.10 where one day we will present ourselves before the judgment seat of God. This is Old Testament sacrificial language being used. But this is not a sin offering. You're not offering yourself to God so that He will love you more, or like you more, bless you more. This is not a sin offering. You know the sacrifices under the law were, were made, and they were, they were making atonement for sin as they were made over and over again. But Christ. Our great sacrifice, his body once offered, made full, perfect, sufficient satisfaction for the sins of the world. He substituted himself in our place. you got to marinate on that. Let that marinate in your heart. Hebrews 10, 12. Christ offered for all time. A single sacrifice for sins. A sufficient sacrifice for sins. So you presenting yourself to God as a sacrifice is not a sin sacrifice. It's not a sin offering. What it is, it's a whole offering. A complete offering. An offering that is a thank offering. It is grateful for salvation in Christ. And so you surrender yourself entirely to God. Not just once at the beginning of the Christian life, but literally as you go through your day. This is the metaphor of the whole body of Christ offering itself to God, as Peter puts it, a, spir- a spiritual priesthood offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ, and this offering was hinted at in chapter 6. It started to get hinted at in chapter 6, and it's significant to, to see what was going on in chapter 6 to understand 12.1. Chapter 6 was telling us that because of our union with Christ, believers' union with Christ, we've died to the power of sin and are no longer slaves to sin, so don't keep giving yourself over to sin, but give yourself over to God as someone who's been brought from death to life. It's deeper than an emotional appeal. You know, here's the emotional appeal. Well, Jesus did so much for you, the decent thing would be to do something for him. This is not reciprocal. But believers under the dominion of God, we, we formally offered ourselves and yielded the members of our body as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but now we yield ourselves fully to God as those alive, to God. Are you getting this? So that Paul is now applying Old Testament sacrificial language to these Roman Christians and they're summoned to present their bodies. Well, it makes sense because if if your body goes out of this place right now, so do you. (laughs) Okay, your mind's not going to stay. What this means when it says present your bodies, it literally means present your whole person everything about you. Not just your body and checking your mind out at the door, but everything about you. Consecration to God involves the entire person. So you cannot say, well, I dedicated my spirit to God, but my body is my own. You can't say, well, you know, I dedicate my my body to God, but my mind is whatever I want it to be. Genuine commitment to God embraces every area of life. Now, Don't get this wrong. This is not, hey, do you want to become a Christian? Commit yourself to God. No. This is people who are already a Christian, commit yourself to God over and over and over again. The sin sacrifice was already made. This is the grateful thank offering. He tells the church, offer your bodies. You're living in your body, not just your, not spirits without bodies. It is in your body That we know you, okay? We know your face. And you relate to people. You take away your body, you cannot function. So to offer your body is to offer everything you are. It would be useless to tell an unbeliever, hey, offer yourself to God. They can't, they're slaves to sin. They cannot do it. This is an appeal to those who have been set free by the grace of God. Present yourself a sacrifice, it is a summons to yield. Yield your entire life to whatever God wants. And you don't just say it once. You willingly obey him in anything and everything. You see, it's not so much that you offer yourself as the sacrifice, but that you actually are the sacrifice. And I think of Genesis 22 and Abraham offering Isaac at God's command. But Abraham was offering himself when he offered Isaac. This was an act of worship to God. This was a sacrifice and it was, it was seismic. And it needs to be in our life too, even if it's quiet, it's still seismic. The second part of this is sanctified. Sanctified. It says here a living sacrifice, right? Now, most of us have been reading this wrong our entire lives because our English Bibles um, translate the phrase a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God. And so it suggests that the sacrifice is living and the outcome is that you're holy and pleasing to God. Now, the New American Standard gets a little closer. It says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy Sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now in the Greek, all three adjectives, living, holy, and well-pleasing, come after the word sacrifice. There is no reason to separate living from that string. And here is what this verse means. As a sacrifice that is living already because you're alive in Christ and is being made holy because you're getting sanctified in Christ, and is already pleasing to God because you're already accepted by God in Christ. You've been accepted in the beloved. This is not you saying, I'm going to get more committed so that I will be more accepted. This is how so many Christians live their lives. Well, I went off track a little bit. I'm going to get more committed so God will love me more. Living is the spiritual state of believers. You're alive in Christ now. Now you can actually offer yourself to God. Those alive in Christ are called to offer their life to him as a sacrifice. And and you're already dedicated to God. And you're being made holy, being sanctified. And you're already pleasing to God. Because when when the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus, believers. Remember at Jesus' baptism? What, here is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He sees you and he says, I'm well pleased in you because of my beloved son, because of his finished work on the cross in your place. There's nothing to do with your behavior that gets you standing with God. But then out of the grateful overflow of your heart, your new nature, now you're able. How do you know if you're able? How do you know, can I do this? Because even as I'm preaching this, you would want, if you're a believer, to say, God, everything is yours. And that you probably say it 50 times during the sermon. That the resolve of your heart is that I just want everything to be in your hands, Lord. Your will be done. I want to please you. I want to serve you. I mean, how do you know you're really saved? It's when you see the gospel truth making a difference in your life, you see traction, you can actually make decisions. That you, you want to make. I mean, before I became a, a Christian, I couldn't forgive people. I was holding a grudge. When I became a Christian, I actually was able to forgive people. I was like, wow, this stuff works. I mean, after I became a Christian, I actually wanted to do things for the right reasons. What a change. This is like Saul doing a 180. I think back to Genesis 22 again with Abraham and Isaac. Isaac. This was not God saying to Abraham, if you do this, you'll be saved. See, the promise was already made when he made the sacrifice. Abraham had believed God, and God had reckoned that to him as righteousness long before. He was already justified. He was already a believer. It was credited to him as righteousness. What this was in Genesis 22 was worshipful obedience. Obedience. See, this is meant to be lived in the nitty-gritty, dirt-underneath-your-fingernails, backroads of life, where you alternate between delight and disappointment. This is our life. You plan something, it doesn't work. You try something, it fails. You want to give up. So many Christians want to give up, but then you know you shouldn't, but then you actually realize you can't because you belong to Christ. And you realize, okay, all is not lost. My mind goes in the wrong place, but guess what? God is at work in me to will and do his good pleasure. I'm being sanctified in Christ. So this sacrifice of ourselves is is sacrificial, and it is is sanctified, being sanctified. And it's it's just downright service. (laughs) That's the third aspect of this. It's just downright service. It's seismic. And it's very simple, but it's also very sensible. It's sensible, it's reasonable, it's rational, it's logical, it's your spiritual worship. Look at the verse, it says it's your spiritual worship. That word spiritual means logical, rational, reasonable. This is reasonable people, it is completely reasonable Given the mercies of God in Christ for believers t- to dedicate themselves 100% to God. Yielding your whole self to God is reasonable. Because God has been so merciful. That's why this call to worship should be such a seismic jolt in your life. It's either going to confirm where you're ar- the track you're already on or it's just going to be like a whiplash. And you realize, wow, I am really off base. And I'm saying I'm a believer in Jesus. Those who worship God give their entire lives over to honor and praise him in everything. We worship in spirit and in truth, as Jesus says, through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I didn't say that means your life's going to be perfect. This is offering yourself as a sacrifice to God no matter what the condition is of your life. This is not based on your circumstances. It's based on your position in Christ. I mean, failure of a Christian to dedicate their life to Christ is the height of folly and irrationality. It is utterly ridiculous to claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not yield your whole self to him. If our life is not Yielded to God in concrete reality, we are fooling ourselves. The Bible keeps telling us, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. What do believers do? They repent of folly. They repent of foolishness. They do not continue to do it. I mean, when believers sin, what is the primary issue? The primary issue is you're not worshiping God Almighty who is present with you. You're not believing his promises. And so if you're lying or cheating or stealing, those are not merely moral dilemmas for a Christian. It is a failure, first of all, to link up the engine of sovereign grace with truth to empower your living. It's a failure to be awestruck at the magnificent wonder of God in Christ, and the promise of God, and let salvation lead to adoration. This is about your everyday existence as worship to God. It isn't just what we're doing right now in this room, but it includes what we're doing right now in this room. But this is not talking about a worship in a public assembly. This is yielding your whole life to God in the solid reality of daily life. That's where Christians say, wow, I'm a part of gospel ministry because my life has been changed by the gospel. And so on the macro level, I'm gonna live holy, devoted, to serve God whatever comes my way as an act of worship at his disposal. And On the micro level, whatever good thing is right in front of me that God enables me to do. The headline appeal here is yield yourself to God. But isn't it true? So many of us as believers, put so much pressure on ourselves to perform for God and others. This is not a performance. I mean, I'm always worried about how I'm coming across. And God keeps reminding me to joyfully enjoy the journey with Jesus and stop stressing out. These are lessons that God is teaching me over and over again. doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been in ministry. We have to be reminded of he, of, 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 our, of God's call to us to be yielded to him. And sometimes you're just reminded in the moment of life and it's not an earthquake. And other times you need a jolt. You just need a jolt. I mean, think about it. I'm a born and raised Californian. I've been living with earthquakes my whole life, and we pretend like it's no big deal. But seriously? I mean, come on. The other day, I'm like, whoa. One of my kids said, you were screaming, earthquake, earthquake. (laughs) I'm just helping out. Public service announcement, right? Come on. (laughs) Got to love it. God knows how to get your attention. God makes worship fluid and mobile here. Think about back to chapter one where people were worshiping objects and other people and idols. That's replaced by the offering of living human beings wherever there are Christians in the world. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? Uh, The world is gonna summon you to do one thing and God's gonna summon you to do another. The world's gonna say, get all you can for you. God's going to say, lose your life for my sake. The world's going to tell you, you might miss out. God's going to say, wait upon me. The world's going to say, do whatever feels good. God's going to say, do what pleases me. The world's going to say, don't offend anyone. God's going to say, the gospel offends everyone, including Christians. The world's going to say, just live for yourself. God's going to say, no, die to yourself. Jesus wants his church devoted to him renewed in their thinking so that God's will is a reality in their life we're going to see as we move on next week you'll see what it means to give yourself completely to God that you're no longer conformed to this age but transformed by the renewing of your minds by the spirit of God through the word of God then you get into verses 3 to 21 and it's just sketching out the contours of the will of God how you relate differently to God and man You're humble, not proud. You serve together under grace in the church by his gifting, by his enabling. And then your relationships are transformed because your mind has been transformed. What this reveals is just tender hearts. Tender hearts. Moved by Christ's sacrifice. It's gonna reveal that or icy hearts unmoved by mercy you do not want to have an icy heart unmoved by mercy. This is why Proverbs 4:23 says keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Even if you decide today or even redecide today, you know what? I am going to live this. People might be saying to me, well, "Wait, wait, we, we, we like to gossip with you." We like to be gluttons with you. We like to do this. We like to do that. Are you sure you're going to get all committed to God? Let me just say, brace yourself to be thought crazy by believers. Think about Genesis 22. Abraham was thought irrational. God was accused of many bad things in that scene. Paul and the apostles were thought fools. What about Job and Jeremiah and David? What about the Hebrew 11 martyrs? What about Paul? He took it all, everything that came at him, because Jesus was his sacrifice. Those who trust Christ's sacrifice for sin give themselves fully to him. It's a decision of the will. It's sacrificial and sanctified, it's service. Are you living this? Is this the trajectory of your heart? Is this what your heart loves and embraces? Has Romans 12.1 been the shock treatment that your soul needed today and every day? If you say in your heart, I can't do this and I'm a Christian, I just want to tell you, Pretty much all the good things in my life as a Christian, I pretty much go in saying, I can't do this unless God gives me strength. It's not too late to yield. It is only because of Christ's once for all sacrifice that you can repeatedly and continually and mercifully offer yourself to him. This is not, well, Jesus did all this for you. What are you going to do for him? This is, Christians, Jesus did all this for you. So you must yield all to him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that because of your mercy, this is our life. This is what we, we get to do. We, we get to to give ourselves fully to you because of Christ's sacrifice for our sin. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about grace, please visit our website at graceorange.org.